Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and me, Will Warren, music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. And before we even disclose who we're talking about on this week's episode, can I be the first to say, happy 50th, Will? How dare you? No, sorry, happy 50th episode of Track by Track. Ah, uh, of course. Uh, slightly more than 50, depending on uh, what metric you look at. Well, you're, you're bang on the money there, actually, because, of course, we decided recently that only the album's proper episodes would be classed in our uh, ranking. But one snuck in, didn't it, a little while the ago. The so. episode uh, was uh, not included in that. But I think a milestone nonetheless. Yes, and of course, I know you're not 50. You're two years to go until that. Master. I think you better quit whilst you're uh, already behind, which is not a good place to be in at the start of an episode. No. But I have to say, how appropriate for our 50th episode proper that we're talking about a supergroup. Yes. Um, should we say who it is? It's Electronic. By? Electronic. Yes. Uh, so Electronic, the supergroup made up primarily of Bernard Sumner and Johnny Marr. And featuring lots of our friends of the podcast along the way. Uh, notably so, Neil Tennant and Chris Lowe. Um, and this was a supergroup which operated predominantly through 19, from 1989 through to 1998. Maybe a little bit more into 2001, depending on who you speak to. Um, I think this was through the record label, initially with Factory Records, which is such an iconic label uh, and part of the Manchester music scene. Back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, the Hacienda nightclub. You okay? <laughs> Furball there. <laughs> um, that, you know, Hacienda, I would give any money in the world to go back in a time machine and have a night at Hacienda. Oh, likewise, yes. And you can um, go back to where the club was. It's a car park at the minute. Oh, that's lovely. Yes. Uh, did you ever watch the film 24 Hour Party People? Uh, I haven't. That's with... Steve Coogan. Steve Coogan, of course. And that features, uh, I guess, the story of Factory Records' Hacienda uh, with Steve Coogan playing uh, the protagonist, Tony Wilson. Yes. uh, Who was, you know, a massive player in that scene back then. I think the general consensus is, although it might be slightly enhanced from uh, the enjoyment of a film, uh, it's quite a good depiction of that period of time. Uh, Of which, New Order... The Smiths, the Pet Shop Boys, um, and other people we referenced were a massive part of that scene. And I think a lot of the sound we're going to talk about is very reminiscent of that time. And I think that's why I love it. I love this album. Likewise, it's a fantastic album. And what I particularly love about these three key players, Pet Shop Boys, Bernard Sumner and Johnny Marr, is that individually they're very different sounds. Johnny Marr, of course, was just uh, coming to the end of... The Smiths' time, or the kind of just broken up, very indie, jangly guitar pop. Uh, New Order with their obviously transformation from the kind of quite gloomy Joy Division electronic sound into more dance roots, and then Pet Shop Boys very pop. Uh, but this all comes together stunningly for this album. I have to say, before we get into the album proper, Dan, there's some great music about at the moment. Uh, yes, some fantastic. Any any highlights for you right now? I absolutely adore Positive by Hot Chip. That's a great song. They played that just this weekend gone at Blue Dot for the first time. And I absolutely love uh, About Work the Dance Floor. 
Yes, I sent you the link the other day, is that right? Yes, by Georgia. Also, the Holy Ghost album that's out at the moment. I haven't um, heard that one. It's really good as well. You are talking about some very up-to-date... Oh, yes, I am. I also wanted to mention the Cats trailer that's just dropped. Wow, that only came out a couple of days ago. What's... It's terrifying. Yeah, how's... What, the fact that we're talking about it or the trailer itself? The trailer itself. Well, it is terrifying, yes. It's almost like we're recording this podcast extremely close to transmission. Yes, it's crazy. It's 23, 24, uh, 100 hours at the minute. Um, on Monday night. Yeah, we really do need to get this out. So, <laughs> so let's crack on. It's going to be a six-minute episode. <laughs> but I think lots to talk about in this week's episode. I think the, the players that form this supergroup, uh, the tracks we're going to talk about, the influences, the sounds... Uh, it's a great package. Um, I think we've 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 probably done enough prodding the package. It's time now just to get stuck into it. Yes. Well, let's do that then. So this one is side one, track one, Idiot Country. My name is not important. It's a signal, a sign. It means I'm doing what I do because I do it all the time. I get a lot of fun emotion. I get not if I use you. I would crawl across the ocean so I could not abuse you. So that was Idiot Country, a.k.a. the UK in 2019. No, I'm joking, of course. <laughs> Very up-to-date reference. Although there are some concerning things happening in the world today. Mm. Um, but this isn't the uh, the best of the Today Show from Radio 4. <laughs> this is track by track. Uh, so that's a great start to the album. Immediately, you can see where the influences come from. And I think... There was definitely a desire for a more synthesised sound um, from Sumner um, moving into this project. And some roots and some inspiration from dance music, for Italian house music as well. And you can definitely feel that in the first track. 100%, yeah. I think when it first starts, because obviously well, we should point out that Getting Away With It, the single that we'll come to talk about later, that was released in 89 and then it was a little bit of time, it was two years before this album came uh, in 91. So if you'd only ever heard that first single two years ago and then you heard that, uh, this song and the intro particularly, it's very harsh, it doesn't sound anything like getting away with it. But I think as it gets into itself, it allows that more electronic and as you said, like sort of Italo disco and things like that to come out. Um, There's some rapping in there. Rap, yeah. How do you feel about that? Oh, I'm not, it, it doesn't sound terrible. That's, it doesn't sound terrible, it doesn't sound bad. It works with the song. I'm just thinking if they did have a reunion, which I hope to God will happen one day, could Bernard perform this song? I think he'd give a good go. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me asking that. I think he'd have a good hard stab. Mm. Oh. And you, we spoke about them uh, sort of a change in sound, and I think it's certainly for both of them, but much more so for Johnny again. This, this sounds nothing like the Smiths. Um, but I think with a lot of this sound... And kind of how they all dip their toes more so into the sound. Pet Shop Boys less, because this was some, definitely a field they were very comfortably uh, striding around in. But for the for the others, they probably maintained elements of this sound when they went back to their respective careers mm. after this supergroup project. Yes. And glory be for them doing that. Well... Because they love this sound. Yeah, it's fantastic. So... Uh, Let's have a bit more. Yeah, you and I can have a little go on face app. A uh, little up-to-date reference. Face that, yeah. Oh. yeah. Don't the Russians will get your data. <laughs> uh, 
And let's play track two. So this is, this is a reality. open mouthed about how generous the length of that outro is. Oh, goodness me. Uh, you're absolutely right. I think you and I have spoken on many, many, many occasions about how we love an extended outro, and even more so when a band plays a song live and they do it. Just last week, I saw Parcels at Somerset House. Quite an up-to-date reference there. Yeah, yeah very up-to-date. And that was literally a few days ago. Yes. <laughs> and it was fantastic because a lot of their music is very elongated, some fantastic uh, harmonies and vocals and fantastic lyrics, but it really is all about the music. And when they did it live, they extended it even more so. And it was just, it was difficult to not move to. Um, and we're hearing that here again. This, for me, is the first brilliant track on the album. I love this. This is where you can see some of that Italian house influence in there yeah. as well. Some very, very, very sexy synthesizers at work oh. there. Sexy Cynthia sounds. <laughs> She's put her lippy on. Is something going on between you and her? There's nothing going on. What um, is, yeah, it's certainly house, but I think there's something about this as well. It's very of its time, but it is also quite timeless in the fact that I can imagine some bands at the minute making a song like this. I think it is, this influence is in uh, some current music trends. Do you know what? I was about to say a similar thing, actually. It's almost like this has come back round again. Mm. And some of those kind of house piano stylings are very popular again right now. Yeah. And Which shows very... you the great work that, they, that these guys did back then. Yeah. Pioneers. Um, there's also, uh, if you want to look into the detail, there's a great long list of... Uh, apparatus contraptions that they use to record the electronic sound lots more vague descriptions to musical sounds to come in this week's yes. episode lots of pew pews and uh, jingly jangly <laughs> and there's a very much a pounding beat in that one i'm sure you won't mind me saying no which uh, which is definitely reminiscent of that mad chester sound which uh talking of which have you seen any of it's just finished recently quite a up-to-date reference, um, Celebrity Gogglebox. Yes, uh, Bananarama, who were featured cruelly underused in it. It has been a cruel summer for them, hasn't it? But then again, it hasn't because of Glastonbury. I was actually glorious performance. It was fantastic. I was thinking more about Sean Ryder and Bez from Happy Mondays, who are hilarious on there. Well, you could have just thrown Rowetta into the mix as well there. Because she's a right giggle. She's a hoot, isn't she? From 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 the the first series of the X Factor as well. Well, she certainly had a giggle on the X Factor. Well, do you know what? They're, this year they're bringing it back with um, a sort of a best of series. So how fantastic would it be to see Rowetta on that? Uh, and Louis Walsh will be back. Yes, his wife will be pleased. Time to move on now. Track number three now, uh, and Dan, this is what you do uh, when the bill comes when we've been out for dinner at the res- at a restaurant. Oh. Tighten up. Oh. 
so I can really feel and hear New Order there at play. Yes, definitely. There's something, something very relentless about that song. Uh, I think it's it already ha- starts with a fantastic pace, and then when it gets to that chorus, it really is a f- foot uh, and pedal to the floor moment. Um, I can imagine driving while this one's playing and sort of really speeding down the road, um, sticking with all national speed limits, of course. I love, uh, I don't know what it is, so again, uh, forgive us, we don't know um, the terminology, but it's the that. Yeah. What is that? It's a, a stabby synthy sound. Yes, that's a lovely way to put it. Cynthia's <clears throat> uh, on the warpath with a knife. Wow, and her lipstick on. And her lipstick on. She's, like, she's almost like um, Villanelle. Oh, well, I was going to say, looks like she's in the cast of Chicago. <laughs> I had a more up-to-date reference. Very up-to-date. Yeah. You watch Killing Eve? Uh, I'm not up-to-date with that, sadly. Very Um, good. But this song, I think it is the perfect marriage of the Smiths and the New Order sound because it's got got that acoustic guitar in there. It's got some shredding electronic guitar. Electronic? That's the band name. Electric guitar later on. And as you said before, it's got that kind of... How did that sound go? Stabby, stabby synths. Oh, I hope you was going to do it again. Which is very much like a 90s game show theme. Uh, and there's a lovely, again, the outro goes on and you think you've gotten every last ounce of juice out uh, and then you've got a final flourish. <laughs> which is lovely. Which is lovely. Right, I think it's time to move on once again. And this is something that I have working with you, actually. The patience of a saint. That was the patience of a saint and, of course, someone different on lead vocals there. It could only be... Neil Tennant. And I love the the bass to that song. Yeah, it's very much... A, it's, in a, it's in a different calibre to the first three that we've had. It's very lo-fi. It's very minimal. It reminds me a bit of the spoken word poetry, like sort of left to my own devices as well with a Pet Shop Boys song. Yeah, it's almost like you just read that over my shoulder on, <laughs> on my notes. Uh, never, never. But mm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a good point. Yes, it's very much, Neil, um, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying this, he's not the, um, the, the biggest singer in the world, if you wouldn't mind me saying that. But yeah, certainly this one is more spoken, it's more sort of a performance piece. It reminds me a little bit of Inside a Dream from the Electric album. That's a very nice comparison. And if you're a fan of the Pet Shop Boys Electric album, just hang in there. Yeah. For a couple of couple of months. There's a big birthday coming up, and I'm not talking about Will's 50th. Uh, which is way off. Way off now. Also on this, I really love the harmonies of uh, Bernard and Neil later on. Bernard, I feel I can call them that now. We've spoken about them so much. Whenever you say Bernard, I think about Guess Who. I think about Bernard Matthews. <laughs> Two or, very different gentlemen. Yes. Uh, both of them have a beard. No, I don't know. Did Bernard Matthews have a beard? Did Bernard from Guess Who have a beard? Yeah. Definitely. Bernard had a beard. 
How can you remember all that? Are you a f- photographic memory? Oh, we used to play it to death. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is a version of that, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, called Naked Guess Who. And it's just, it's a bit like um, Naked Attraction. It just shows the midriffs of people. So you have to say, are they very well hung? Oh, it's disgusting. <laughs> Let's we, move, um, just literally draw a veil over it. I mean, that. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> right, you are. So, track number five now. This is the one. This is the big one. Getting away with it. I've been getting away with it all my life. Getting away. However, I look, it's clear to see that I love. That is fantastic. And you don't use that term lightly. No, and I probably do use a bit of hyperbole, but I'm not at all exaggerating when I say that's one of my favourite songs ever. Ever? Ever. It's definitely in my top five best songs ever. But don't ask me to name any of the other songs in my top five. Well, just... Because that's a, that's, a, that's a spin-off special edition in its own right. Okay. Well, could you even give us a hint of a tease of one of those songs? Uh, Take Your Shoes Off by the Cheeky Girls. <laughs> Because I could have sworn that uh, Flying the Flag for You by Scooch was going to be in there. Or what about... Um, no, I don't know. Um, we're, we're, that's an interesting one for us to come back to. Maybe there's a Christmas special in it somewhere. Oh, yeah. Well, or a big birthday celebration. A bit self-indulgent, but... Um, I'm sure some people wish to know. My mum. Yes. Uh, but that song is... I absolutely love it. I love what we've talked about on this podcast before... What makes a song we love? It's an absolute banger, which at the same time is quite heartbreaking, yes. quite melancholy at the same time. And that is definitely that and then some. Yeah, it really is. This song, for me, I'm sure that I've always, from because obviously it came out in uh, 89, so when I was uh, too young to to remember but I've always kind of known about this song but never really known much about the where it came from or Electronic the band or anything like that and I think that's the same for a lot of people you might say to someone oh do you know the band Electronic and they don't but I think they will have heard this song it's a bit of a, a cult indie dance late 90s classic I think and it really stays with you as well often uh, and I listen to this song very frequently still that you know I, I love more than you love me the way Neil Tennant's vocals sing that line just stays with me for quite a long time afterwards and we were singing along the whole way through there hopefully that uh, audio recording doesn't uh, ever see the light of day but we were really into that song when it was playing a little bit too much actually a little bit awkward then you love me (laughs) very uh, very convicted singing from us there yeah it sounded uh, you sounded like Morris is singing it which is quite apt isn't it because well, yes, the, when Neil Tennant and Bernard Sumner wrote the lyrics to this, part of what they were parodying was some of Morrissey's songwriting and delivery. Uh, and for me, but for me, this song transcends that because it's very meaningful and very good in its own right. So at this point, the Smiths had broken up. So I wonder if it was in a sort of a, a mickey-taking way. 
do you think? I think it was very light-hearted. Hmm. And I'm sure Morrissey would have minded them doing that. <laughs> I think he would. Quite a, quite a bitter individual. Unpleasant individual these days. Yeah. Which is such a shame because um, I'm a big fan of his music. I think we've had this conversation before, actually. So uh, it be deja vu for some of our listeners. A little bit like the Empire of the Sun episode. If you've got version one of that, there's a little bit of deja vu in the <laughs> intro. And I do apologise about that. It, the intro was so good, we repeated it twice. <laughs> um, just before we leave the song, I just wanted to say... I need to talk about, and I don't like to mention it in front of you, but Glastonbury this year, uh, when you weren't there for the Killers and they brought out the Pet Shop Boys for a couple of songs and then they brought out Johnny Marr. And in that moment, I did think, goodness me, this would be a perfect opportunity for them to sing, getting away with it, with Johnny Marr there and with Neil Tennant there and uh, Brandon Flowers taking Bernard Sunder's lines. Thankfully, they didn't. And I say thankfully, I mean, thankfully for you. I'm still not over it yet, and I think I would have been livid if that had happened. You'd probably have left Glastonbury on the Saturday night, I think, wouldn't you? I, I would have done, and I, thankfully I was watching Hot Chip at the time, which does take the edge off a little bit, mm. uh, because they did a wonderful live version of one of your favourite songs, Flutes. Flutes, I absolutely love that. Uh, and that was, they had a laser show going on at the same time, and I have to say, stunning. Absolutely stunning. So let's move on then to track number six, and this is Gangster. That was Gangster. You fancy yourself as a bit of a gangster, don't you? A lyrical gangster, yes. <laughs> Lyrically. Lyrically. Uh, gangster there um, sounds very like a Pet Shop Boys song. Yes, bizarrely, I think that is the most Pet Shop Boys-like song on the album. And I say bizarrely because this one obviously doesn't feel, doesn't feature uh, Neil Tennant or Chris Lowe. To my knowledge, I think... Probably. They're there somewhere. They're lurking in the background. Um, and good for them. Yes. For being right. really heavily involved in this. I, I love the fact that, or the thought that, even on the tracks they aren't singing on or have written, there's still some direction there and support there. Yeah. Or just uh, influence. I'm sure that when uh, Ma and Sumner decided they wanted to make this sound... Uh, and Sumner had, for some time, actually wanted to bring more synth into the New Order sound, which is why he, he created this uh, with Johnny Marr, which was initially, he was thinking about doing a solo album, but then he decided to bring Johnny Marr in to help with it. It's because he wanted more synth sounds. Uh, Cynthia sounds, of course, I should say. And if I had to say it reminded me of a particular Pet Shop Boys song... I'd, I'd have... say Opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> You're bang on the money there, yeah, so actually. You, you saw an opportunity to steal again from my notes, and you took it. So, uh, And you think you're getting away with it, and you're not. I've been getting away with it. Oh, my <laughs> And I think the sound that really resonates as a, a passionate voice sound is this. The stabby keys. <laughs> I'm going to record the rest of this episode like the class SWAT and cover my papers. <laughs> but you're right. Of course you're right. Of course I'm right. I'm always right. I'm going to move away now from you um, as we move on to track 
eight, and I haven't missed one out there. That's because track seven is Soviet, which is a lovely two-minute instrumental, which follows the melody of Getting Away With It, but I, I just don't feel like we need to listen to that right now. No, let's, let's get into track eight, which is Get The Message. So that was Get The Message, it's the first real feel of some classic guitar work. Yeah. Yes. And you do kind of assume that's, um, that's Johnny Marr's influence, don't you, really? But who knows? Bernard Sumner plays the guitar on stage, so it could have been him. And it's probably the most traditional track, or the least electronic electronic track on electronic. Yes, definitely. It actually reminds me a little bit of a New Order song from towards the end of their time with Peter Hook so the get ready or um, waiting for the sirens call when they were getting a little bit more a uh, bit more laid back in their sounds a bit more uh, and I'm sure they won't mind me saying that middle of the road oh I think they might mind you saying that mm-hmm. well they, they knocked up a gear for music complete so oh they certainly did that tutti frutti oh sensational that live at Glastonbury that must have been wonderful if you can remember. If only I could remember it. Uh, also, some additional vocals on this from Denise Johnson, uh, who is vocalist in Primal Scream. Yes, she's worked with Primal Scream. She has worked with uh, the Charlatans and... Ian Brown. Ian Brown, yeah. Yeah, she sounds fantastic on that. I think it gives it almost a bit of a... It almost feels a little bit gospel to me with her vocals there. But it's also very reminiscent of that Manchester sound. It's Rowetta. Rowetta again on, on, a, on a Happy Monday song. Uh, this, of course, was the lead single from the album. So I can see why it was the lead single because of how faithful it is to some of the roots that members of the men, members of this supergroup had. Yes, and as well, what I like, you've got that kind of guitar. You've got it's a very nice sort of gentle sound throughout, and then the horns come in as a bit of a surprise. There's nothing like a surprising horn. Oh, a nice horny surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so, next one, please. Coming up your way, sir. This is track number nine. Try all you want. There never was a minute on my phone. I never felt I needed anyone. It's a perfect situation. I can't hope to understand. If you want to go, I just can't say Again, I think that is a very, very Pet Shop Boys sound on that one. And obviously we're not complaining at all about that. Absolutely not, no. If there's any way to have more Pet Shop Boys, the better. New album, January? Yes, that was announced very recently by uh, via Pet Text, wasn't it? On their Twitter account. Yes. Uh, and produced by Stuart Price again. The third of their Price trilogy. Uh, which is almost, I have that feeling of excitement to hear it but also that kind of slight sadness that that is the end of that that trilogy because you would assume that after this they're going to work with somebody else well that's the excitement as well who's next mm. but back, back onto to this track try all you want and 
as well as being very Patrick Boys, though, I do think it is very New Order, this one. Perhaps one of the most New Order songs on there. Just the the melody um, of the verses and the chorus. And I, I really like how there's, during the middle eight, kind of it breaks down a little bit and it almost seems to miss a beat and then picks itself back up again. Just a quick shout out for how well this album as a whole was received. Uh, not too many reviews knocking around because of how long it was, but... Q Magazine, still going now, five stars. Fox, 10 out of 10. Still going now? No. Oh, such a shame. NME, still going now. Digitally, <laughs> uh, 8 out of 10. And what uh, did Digital Spy give it? Uh, no record. Uh, we do have some listeners from Digital Spy, uh, but they're too busy writing neighbour spoilers <laughs> uh, to do music reviews anymore. So, let's move on then to track number 10. And this is Some Distant Memory. great time oh. with regret because actually this is still a good song but it's just not the best song on the album so what a great time to talk about that fantastic album artwork um, and it's uh, on the album cover you've got two very young men and I think actually on this picture Johnny Marr looks very much like a young Alex Turner oh yes yeah from the Arctic Monkeys mm. and the Last Shadow Puppets <laughs> and, and so it's the two men um, with, I guess, what at the time was quite a futuristic font, <laughs> which now doesn't look as futuristic, which says electronic. It's the equivalent of someone using Comic Sans. Yes. Uh, it was orange, but also quite a, a bronze effect on the photograph, which looks like it's been faxed in uh, to the publishers. Yes. Do you know, I read only recently that I think it's the NHS which are going to be stopping using fax uh, as a form of communication from I think it's next year or something like that but I was astounded to read that people are still using fax machines when was the last time you sent a fax to someone I only ever sent one fax in my life and because I remember when my dad did get a fax machine it was very like it was the equivalent of getting the internet I suppose and um, I think just my someone else my dad's friend or someone like that had it so I just sent a drawing to someone some random number I thought you were saying like your genitals or something <laughs> it's not like a photocopy where you can sit at it <laughs> Lord knows you tried. Yes. <laughs> Before we move away from this song, which, as you said, is is possibly my least favourite of 11 fantastic songs, I just want to point out the fantastic oboe work from Helen Powell there. Oh, Helen. And it's not something we say very often on that podcast. This and in fact, it's the first time you've used the word oboe. Yes. On a recording, on an audio recording. That is very true. That is um, a fact. Hopefully not the last time. Hopefully not. And I don't um, mean to go on about it too much, but it's very melancholy, this song. And that use of the oboe on the outro gives it a real kind of uh, whimsy. When it's playing, I said, uh, I, I request that you play this at my funeral. Melancholic oboes, that'd be a great title for a Pet Shop Boys song. Well, no. <laughs> it wouldn't. Well, it's all subjective, isn't it? Or fact. <laughs> 
So we're on to the last track of the album, which is uh, not petering out at all. This is Feel Every Beat. Absolutely, I love that. The piano work in there is so of its time, uh, and, I, and that for me, that's a massive win. Yeah, it's the so early nineties electric piano, electric piano or keyboard, if you will. Mm. Uh, yeah, it definitely feels very. Again, I said this phrase a lot, but Manchester, very Happy Mondays, uh, Primal Scream, uh, and that's what more of a Primal Scream influence there for me yes because I think the drums are very industrial which helps with that the rapping there's more Quite rapping futuristic there. as well hmm yes it could be and a little bit maybe medieval no oh you're doing the Crystal May thing <laughs> then, aren't you this is unfair I haven't seen it second time in as many oh, months yes it is technically bullying uh, take it up with HR for me, this feels very much like it bookends the album because the sound to this, the actual raw sound, is very similar to Idiot Country. And the rapping as well is something that starts off with the first track and comes back again for this final track as well. Now, I would love to see Electronic Live, and they've said separately that the kind of this project has come to an end. They did three studio albums together, brought in a member of Kraftwerk later on to help with things. But I hope it isn't the end. I hope that with... Neil Tennant and Chris Lowe and Carl Bartos from Kraftwerk. I'd love to see some sort of show, even if it's a big one-off. Even if it was at Ali Pali, I'd travel there for it. And that, as we both know, is a horrible venue to get it's from. It's an absolute arsehole to get back from. Really is uh, really is the pits. There's no offence to the wonderful facilities that are provided there. but The um, staff are lovely. They've got, a, they've got a great staff. So... Hopefully we've that's we're out of time on the album itself, but hopefully I hope you've gotten the significance of this supergroup collaboration and what it meant at the time, and even now as a music lover, what it still means today. The legacy that they've left behind with these incredible tracks that kept, that continued actually beyond this album um, that we still listen to very regularly as well. If you haven't heard it before, hopefully it's given a prick up your ears. No, hopefully it's made you prick up your ears. Yes. So that's the end of the album, but it's not the end of the podcast because we have some... Further listening, further listening. And Will, I would love to invite you to go first. So I have gone with something that wasn't on the album original itself. I think with further listening, we've tried to stay within this era of electronic. And there's some great additional tracks that have came alongside this album. And I've chosen something which was the fourth single um, that wasn't on the album itself. Criminally was not there. And I think when you hear it, you'll f- see why I used the word criminally left mm. off. This is disappointed.
And were you? I'm not at all because it's just the perfect mix of a Pet Shop Boys sound and a New Order sound in there with, again, some haunting vocals from Neil Tennant. For me, it's like part two uh, following on from Getting Away With It. Yes, I'd agree with that, yeah. It It feels a little bit more... Obviously, there's been two years between that and this being released and I'd imagine no and I think this is uh, just the production just feels a little bit newer and a bit shinier almost it reminds me a little bit of the obviously just a couple of weeks ago we saw Closer to Heaven the musical that the Pet Shop Boys uh, wrote the music to reminds me of that a little bit actually this one Oh, and that was fantastic. Mm. Obviously, the sound, the original cast recording of Close to Heaven is available on streaming services to listen to. Um, it was a short-lived original run, kind of way back, uh, some time ago now. It's been revived. It's at the Above the Stag Theatre in Vauxhall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's fully booked up for July, but I, there are tickets still available for August. If you want to hear and see an original score written... Um, by the Pet Shop Boys performed. It's uh, brilliant. Uh, so many good songs in that. So many good songs. There's and an episode of Track by Track in itself on that soundtrack. Well, hold that thought because wouldn't that be uh, wouldn't that be a treat to add add to the long list or even bump it up before the year's out? But what what a fun night we had there. Um, as you say, in Vauxhall, your neck of the woods. I saw you actually just leaving the gym. Uh, was it Chariots Gym that you went to? It's a health spa. Oh right. So if you enjoy Pet Shop Boys songs and male flesh, then I would definitely recommend going to see Closer to Heaven. And I imagine a lot of Pet Shop Boys fans do enjoy it. I don't, know, don't get the reference. So, should we move on to my further listening choice? Uh, yeah, but disappointed, love it. Love, love it. it. Love it. So, yes, we're sticking with this era of the band. So my track, I'll tell you all about it afterwards, it's called Lean to the Inside. sides for the Feel Every Beat single. Uh, and of course, that is an instrumental track. I must confess, I think it's not as fondly regarded by me compared to a lot of the tracks on the standard electronic electronic album, but I do love some of the soundscapes created in that. Yeah, I think that's what, what I like about this one. It's not necessarily one I'd put on straight away, but it... it it's a very dramatic song. It builds really nicely. It begins with that string work, which I think is probably not real strings. It's possibly uh, electronic strings from a keyboard, if you will. Oh, blimey. Um, it, then this the uh, very industrial sound uh, of synths come in. Quite very futuristic. Futuristic, if you've done that one already. Um, Almost tribal, maybe a bit Aztec. Oh, I was going to say quite craftworky. So medieval, then. Oh, you've done it again? <laughs> Twice in one episode. <laughs> I'm not going to believe a word that comes out of your lips. Um, but I do think, yeah, I do think it's a very nice sound. I'd like to think about how, I wonder how this song came to be. Was it intended to be a song with lyrics that just didn't work out? Mm. How much of a hand did uh, Bernard Sumner have in this one? Because obviously he's more so 
the singer and lyricist than anything else. Lyricist. It's just um, just an interesting one. Can I do something a bit controversial at this point? Is it legal? It is legal, but it kind of goes a little bit in the face of our very well-established, very well-respected format. Mm. I'd like to add a further piece of further listening into the mix. Further, further listening. Further, further listening. How do you feel about that? Um, let's, let's go with it. Uh, I'd like to just briefly, before we finish off, um, draw your attention to uh, Peter Hook's 1996 sort of side project uh, with David Potts, uh, Monaco. Because I definitely think it's worth your and our listeners' attention. Now, they, there are only a couple of tracks available on uh, like Spotify and Apple Music. They did release a whole LP, and I'd love for us just to listen briefly to uh, What Do You Want From Me? Hmm. Colour me intrigued. Let's have a listen to What Do You Want From Me? What do you want from me? It's not how it used to be. You've taken my life away. Ruining everything. What do you want from me? It's not how it used to be. That was What Do You Want From Me by Monaco. Dan, what did you think? It's very New Order, isn't it? Yes. It's very, very New Order. Not only just because of Hookie's undeniable bass, which is a very unique sound, but the singer Paul Potts. Is that on vocals? Yeah. Uh, No, Pol Pot. Pol Pot. No, it's not Pol Pot. It's David Potts. Uh, he sounds very much like Bernard Sumner. So it's this, uh, I know that this was uh, done when New Order went on a bit of a hiatus in the 90s. Um, and it does feel very much like the, that Hooky just bridged that gap of um, adding some New Order sounds when New Order weren't make, making any music. Uh, there's another track available on Apple Music called Sweet Lips, which, are, which is a lot more dance-oriented bit disco that one, isn't it? Disco, a bit housey as well. I love it uh, for doing the dusting to around the house. So do check out. Also, uh, I had a quick look. The album is available to buy. Uh, it's on eBay for just a couple of pounds if you wanted to check out the rest of the album. That's the Monaco album. I was just saying as well that I would love to get the electronic album on vinyl. Sadly, it's a whopping eye-watering £85 on Amazon. Ooh, and you didn't win the Euromillions, did you, this week? So. Well, do you know, I've not checked my ticket, so... Um... Did you not get the email? Yeah, but I sometimes wonder if it popped in my junk folder. So we're out of time. Uh, I really, really enjoyed talking about electronic there. So much so I could have done it twice. Uh, what do you think about electronic? Maybe we've introduced uh, this supergroup to you for the first time. We'd love to hear what you think. And maybe go away and listen to more of their music and let us know as well. At Move to Trash UK. Hashtag Track by Track. Also, please do, if you've enjoyed this, maybe this was your first episode of Track by Track. There are 50 plus episodes uh, to listen Uh, You can find them all on various mediums, including Apple Podcasts. And if you are listening on there, we would absolutely love it as a little 50th birthday treat if you would um, rate and review. 
I can't believe we've recorded 52 episodes. No. And there's many more to come. Many more. Our long list is getting longer. Uh, we are adding more things to our long list of albums we really want to talk to you about than we are recording episodes of them. But we'd love to know as well which albums you would like us to talk about. Uh, so, Dan, can you give us a hint of a tease as to what's coming up next week? So, next week, we it's very, very different sound, actually. We're talking about a Canadian singer, a female. She has... This was her third album, released around about 12 years ago. Uh, and she worked with a producer who we might have name-dropped early today. To say anything more... Would be to give it away. So, until next week, thank you for listening. Uh, and I've been Bernard Sumner. And I've been Johnny Marr. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.